What's up, world? Welcome back to Authentically Us, the podcast where we talk about what it means to be authentic in everything that you do. And we, we're really just having authentic conversations with authentic people, Tony, to be honest. Right? Yeah. Authentic and all day. Authentic. And, you know, we got Tony here, Tony the Morton. We got well, what's up? We got a special guest today. And then, you know, I'm, I'm one of the one of the hosts here. And I'm excited for today's guest. It's another hometown. I want to say a hometown hero. We do it for the home team. We do it for the home team. Tony, great reference. I love that. KB reference. Love that. Hey, guys, um, before we jump in, um, if you haven't noticed on our social media, we posted we are on all streaming platforms. So make sure you listen to us wherever you listen. But leave us a comment, share, review, because that helps us to, to see what we can listen to, what we can add more to. It gives us some, some good feedback. So um, we're everywhere. You can see Every a podcast. Tuesday. Every so Tuesday. On your Tuesday morning commute, you know what to turn on. Turn it on. We did. And you can turn us fast. I realized that you could turn the speed up. Yes. Tony, Tony, Tony put me on to that, by the way. Yes. So, hey, guys, tune in today's episode. We got Cole Elbel, where we're going to dive in to life in Chicago um, and plenty more. So let's jump right in. Let's do it. Chambersburg is manure. <laughs> That's Cal. The next thing you you're going to see, the next thing you'll see, a bunch of warehouses. Warehouses, farm fields, and a Bob Evans on the right. <laughs> Yo, that Bob <laughs> Evans is iconic. I don't think I've ever been in there, but it's iconic. It is. And fun fact, Marky's now wife worked there in high school. I think I did know that. <laughs> I did not know go. that. That's hilarious. There you go. Um, so the temperament of the people there. I would say the temperament is kind of Southern. Yeah, you know, like people, I, when when I moved to the Midwest, people were like, are you from the South? I'm like, no, I'm from Pennsylvania. But really, like, there's a little bit of a twang in our voices. And there's also a lot of hunting, country vibes, you know, like, bless our home, eat, pray, love, you know? <laughs> You know, you know, like you see, you count your blessings. You see that over yeah. every mom's kitchen sink. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, like really hardworking men and honestly, some pretty submissive women. Yeah. And it's it's just it's kind of old timey in its temperament. And um, yeah, just very, you could say red. Mm. Um, yeah. And pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and very like yep. hardworking and grit your teeth and get it done and don't complain. Um <laughs> guys, he's describing Chambersburg to a T right now. Yes. He's no <laughs> lie, no cat. Um and I would say there's there, there's something that like is idolized in Chambersburg, and that is sports. Mm-hmm. Sports are idolized big time. You're a nobody if you can't play a sport. You're mm-hmm. a nobody if you can't show up on the field and, and do some damage. I don't care whether the field or the court or the track or the, like whatever. Like sports are big time idolized. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, um, I would say that is the way that I would describe Chambersburg. Oh. And also very, very Christian. Very, very mm. Christian. Mm-hmm. And you know what's interesting about yeah. that? You know, I met, I went to Liberty, the largest Christian school in the world. Just throwing out there. <laughs> um, and you get a lot of people who grew up in the Bible Belt. And the Bible Belt is, is a real thing because everybody is Christian, quote unquote, there. But like, that's on Sunday. And then on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, it's like, I don't know who these people are. I would say Chambersburg right. is similar where like everybody yep. kind of goes to church on Sunday. Um, yep. 
but like their lifestyles definitely doesn't don't reflect you know the the, the lifestyle of, of jesus or i'm a pursuit after jesus so um i would agree with that too i did want to tap into you know you you mentioned um idolizing sports now you 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 started off as an okay athlete you know and then you got really good and then your your sports career was kind of cut um was that in high school that was high school yeah yeah i remember i remember like i mean you were always hanging around with us so you were just we would just throw you in like hey we're gonna go do this cole's in yeah, with yeah, us yeah. <laughs> and so can you talk a little bit kind of like about that like transition because it's hard for um sports to be cut in high school especially our high school dude big time um big time so I started playing football when I was eight. And um, honestly, I did it because all the other guys did it. Mm. I didn't do it because it was like, yeah, this is something I'm excited and passionate about. I wasn't a kid that wanted to like crack someone's head. I wasn't, I wasn't a kid that wanted to hurt somebody or like, I'm not, I'm going to be honest. I'm not the most competitive guy. Now I'm really competitive against myself mm. big time yeah. against myself. Yeah. But like when it comes to like beating other people or like, it's just, that's something that it's just never really been important to me. And so seeing all the models ahead of me, including like all my friends in the community, all my cousins that were older than me, my cousin, Tyler, my cousin, Marky, like they were all starters. And it was like, holy smokes. Okay, well, I gotta, if I'm going to be loved, if I'm going to be accepted, then I need to show up in this way. Mm. And so I fell in love with football and I, I didn't fall in love with it until probably eighth grade. Mm. Mm. So I started at eight. And so eighth grade, I'm like 13. I was like five years in. That's when I really fell in love with the game. Um, and then senior year no 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 junior year oh my goodness like all sophomore year it was it was a total train wreck and then i started lifting a bunch i really started taking it seriously and then junior year i came back and like i was i was starting to knock some heads and i was starting to make some noise but then very quickly i got some serious concussions that ended my football career and i was just like so bummed out about that and so yeah what everyone was telling me which I had already known is that I was a pretty talented communicator mm-hmm. and I was a pretty talented, mm-hmm. pretty talented at getting a message across. And if you're in a place like Chambersburg, the way that I described it up top here, it's like, if you're in a Christian community and you can communicate well, what's the sticker they're going to put on your forehead? Preacher. Pastor, yep. preacher. Yep. And, and so like they, like everyone on my team is like well like you can't play anymore but like we love it when you pray we love it when like you can step in and like do the sermon before the game Mm -hmm. can you stay and like keep doing that and so i did and that's really where i i channeled my i began to to channel that energy it's like okay rather than getting really good at football i'm going to try to channel that into getting really good at preaching the word preaching the gospel which i mean conroy you said it right man it's kind of preaching to people that weren't really hearing it they didn't have ears to hear yeah um some did some did but like i i I knew the crowd i knew my audience and i knew i was like look this isn't gonna bring them to the altar in tears (laughs) but this might plant a seed yeah this might plant a seed yeah. and, and someday like who knows how the Lord is going to shine light on them and pour water on them and, and fertilize them and, and, and like just all, all the things that could happen. So I figured like, okay, if I can't do this, then this is where I'm going to find my worth. And then that's when I was told like, Hey, you should go to Moody Bible Institute. Moody yeah. Bible Institute is a, it's a Christian college in Chicago and it's yeah. tuition paid. So, so talk to us about two things about how you got to Moody 
but also what what's the biggest challenge going from rural central Pennsylvania to Chicago? Dude, <laughs> mother of pearl, <laughs> man! Like, okay, so getting to Moody, that was interesting because the girl I was dating at the time. It's always a girl. Huh? Always, always. Oh, it's always a girl that gets us to to do things. <laughs> Dude, I know <laughs> it's crazy. Um, yeah, so. She was like, I mean, I applied to Chippensburg like everybody else. <laughs> I got in like everybody else because I could fog a mirror. Um, no offense to Chippensburg. My sister is a Chippensburg grad. My cousin is a Chippensburg grad. Tony Ch- is too. Tony is a Chippensburg <laughs> yes, <I am>. grad. <laughs> now, I was planning on going to Chippensburg for business. But then I was like, you know what? I was listening to my girlfriend at the time. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to apply to Moody. And I'm going to make a deal with God. If I get into Moody, then I'm going to go. And I'm going to dedicate my life to ministry. That was, a big, that was a big word to say as a 17, 18-year-old kid. But I filled out the application. And I heard, like, it's really hard to get into Moody. And, um, like all the people I spoke to, they were like, oh yeah, I applied. I got rejected. I got rejected. There are like six people that told me they got rejected. And knowing me and my grades, I'm like, geez, I have no chance. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I got a letter in the mail. Oh man, they threw, they threw a curveball at me. And this curveball is what made Antonio Morton and I become very close. <laughs> yes. That curveball is you're accepted into the Moody Bible Institute of Chicago, but you can only do online classes for freshman year. So you're staying home. And what? then sophomore year, you're going to come to Chicago. Was that like a, uh, like a, they had too many people? Or what? It was too many people, but they really liked me. That's interesting. And they saw my potential. And there were there was something called the FYOP program, the first year online program. And there were like 30 of us in the FYOP. And honestly, my transition from Chambersburg to Chicago, that made it easier. Mm. It, it wasn't as much of a shock. Yeah. Because I got to visit, I got to interact with people, I got to interact with the professors that live there, and like I like going out for the visit and like seeing the city was a great trial run to see like okay yeah this is a good fit for me I think this is it for sure, um, but yeah that freshman year that was the year that like I was doing my homework and studying at home but then also i was going up to shippensburg with my sister mm. I was hanging out with my sister i was hanging out with tony yeah we were going to we we're going to thursday nights like praising on thursday night and um yep. with, the, with the cco i went to i went to jubilee that year sure um, did. i got in trouble for some stupid things but i went to jubilee that year um <laughs> classic cole um but um Oh man. That year was really good for me because also it, it gave me a chance to slow down. Mm. Here's another classic Chambersburg descriptor. Everybody bites off more than they can chew. Mm. Everybody, at yeah. least in my family. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did because when I was a senior in high school, I was doing sports. I was, I, was, I still did track and field i was throwing javelin Mm -hmm. um so i was doing school i had a job i was doing sports i was in a relationship i did young life i did fca i did volunteering with my church i did worship team at my church i did it was just like one thing after the other yeah yeah and so i i never really knew a life without the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. 
Yeah. You know, it's just like always like fifth gear wide open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And- so, so you say that like, like you've learned how to not do that. Is that true? It's not true. No. Because, <laughs> yeah. Because Chicago's because Chicago's fast. Extremely. Yeah. Extremely. And like that, that freshman year taught me like it, they, it forced the downshift. Yeah, for sure. It forced it because I couldn't go to school anymore. I couldn't go to sports anymore. I couldn't go to young life anymore. I couldn't go to volunteer to get my hours for college anymore. I couldn't go. It was just studying working and working out that was it that was it so that year went from seven things to three (laughs) right and that year i lost 45 pounds wow and like i became like a lot more physically healthy Mm -hmm. um and also like it, it was really good to just have that type of consistency and that type of downshift i needed that type of downshift yeah. And so when I first moved to Chicago, mercy, I was still wearing a dirt bike t-shirt and boot cut jeans. <laughs> wow. When, as soon as you say that, I get like a specific image in my mind. Like yeah. <laughs> it's so, yep. so our hometown. Yep. yep. Big time, dude. And um, I, I was, there I was like my parents, and I and my sister, we were in a hotel room on Michigan Avenue, the heart of Chicago, one block away from the John Hancock Tower. Mm. Mm. And I was like, okay, this is, this is it. This is home now for the next three years. Whew. And, and I remember worrying like people at Moody. I'm like, these people are going to be floating four feet off the ground. They're so... Like, like this is one of the best Christian institutions in the country. It's really intense. It's really like notable and esteemed. Yeah. And then I get there and now I'm in a 19 story building and everywhere I look is just buildings. Mm. Everywhere is buildings. Everything is concrete. And I hear all these rumors like coming from Chambersburg. I'm hearing about like, oh, you're going to get killed. Oh, you're going to get stabbed. Oh, you're going to get robbed. Oh, you're going to get shot. There's a reason why they call it Chirac. Oh, there's a reason why like you should be afraid and you shouldn't walk after 8 p.m. alone. And so that was kind of looming in the back of my mind. And then I get to campus and they're like, oh, yeah, Cabrini Green is two blocks over there. Don't go to Cabrini Green. That's the projects. Hmm. And I, I was in this melting pot, this world-class city, 77 different neighborhoods, every race you could imagine, every socioeconomic status that would ever exist was there. Mm-hmm. And I realized, I was like, okay, this place is, I got a lot of learning to do. I got a lot of yeah. experiencing to have. Yeah. That's wild because I think about the similar experiences I had, you know, we, we go from a small town Chambersburg, which a lot of people group us in with the Midwest, which I don't know if you've experienced that, but a lot of people group us in with the Midwest is really weird. No, dude, we're East coast. Sure. Yeah. That's, that's what oh, I say. Yeah. But they just, they're like, Oh my, I'll, I tell them of Pennsylvania, like, Oh, Midwest. I'm like, no, no, <laughs> no, not at all. Um, but you know, I went to a Christian school as well. And um, yeah, you do have that fear of like, wow, am I Christian enough to be here? Yeah. Am I enough to be here? Right. And then you realize, oh, okay. Like there are some really spiritual people. And then there's also like you, your parents paid for you to come here. And that was it, you know? (laughs) And then, right. Right. I think about like when I moved to that was one big eye opening eye opener being around a bunch of different cultures being different different ethnicities then i moved to you know northern virginia see even more and then i moved to california and then it just opened my eyes you mentioned about how chicago is very um diverse you could see any ethnic group you could think of um 
I've, I've also heard that it's very diverse, but still very segregated where like, you know, you have the white people here, black people here, you know, Spanish people, like it's very yes. kind of in, in pockets. Super. But I, I could only imagine that like, you're going from Chambersburg, very white to Chicago where you're like, oh, wow, I can see the whole world essentially here in I don't know, five mile radius. If I walk one direction, I was just, you know, so what, what was that? Talk about that experience. Like, was it like an eye opener? Did you have any like welcome to Chicago moments? <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I remember my first welcome to Chicago moment. So I got a job at a catering company. The people at the catering company knew that the little Christian students weren't going to be bad at their job. And they didn't know they did. They knew that we were going to show up and we were going to work hard and we weren't going to lie. And so that's why they hired us. And um, the place I worked was it's the number one catering company in the United States. Wow. So my first shift, my first shift was a million dollar wedding. Million Jeez. bucks, million bucks downtown. To- Tony was just short of that with his wedding. <laughs> oh, <laughs> just, yeah, just short. Let me tell you, dude. Tony's wedding was a vibe. I popped off there. You, you, both you, you did. You both <laughs> did what you we mean. popped off, man. <laughs> you both stole the whole den floor. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was disgusting. <laughs> you were. <laughs> <laughs> um. So after this million dollar wedding, I take the red line home. The red line train cuts from north to south. The very northern tip, the whole way to the bottom, most southernmost tip of the city, the red line covers. And so I get on the red line downtown after this wedding. It's like one in the morning. And I get off at the the Chicago stop and there is this one mcdonald's just out of the stairs you get up out of the stairs there's a mcdonald's and this mcdonald's is nicknamed the ave because it's on chicago avenue the ave and that's where all the tourists are passing but the red line is directly connected to the south side people from the south side know that they're coming to party the tourists are coming to party and so a lot of drugs are being pushed on Chicago Avenue in front of that McDonald's big time. And so if you're going to go on the Ave, you're going to you're going to hear a lot of people yelling loud, 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 kush, 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 kush. You know, they're going to be pushing, mm-hmm. hustling. And I was walking up the stairs and there was a homeless man that was zonked out of his mind. I don't know what he was on. I think it was heroin. His eyes were half open. He's drooling. He looks at me. He says, I'm going to fucking kill you. And I was like, just frozen. Mm. Frozen. Because he was standing, he was sitting right there in the stairs. And I, I couldn't go left. I couldn't go right. He was just sitting right there in the middle. And I'm like, what do I do? Like, I can't walk by him. I don't know what's going to happen. So I turned around and I ran the other way. <laughs> I'm sorry for the language. But no, like, no. That's, that's what happened. And a couple weeks later, I had another guy come up on me on another train. Mm. And what I learned is that if, if, you're downtown and, and you're you're dressed like me. If you're wearing black pants, black shirt, black tie, you're a target. Yeah. But I'm like, why am I a target? What is going on? Yeah. It's a known in Chicago. It's a known that if you're wearing clothes like that, that means you just got off your shift and you look like a bartender and you got a wad of cash on you. Yeah. And so like you are a target. And so I learned pretty quick to take clothes with me to my shift, change out of them, and blend into the city. Yeah. Blend in so that people won't pull up on you. 
Wow. Talk about welcome to Chicago. Crazy. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey, I just did this wedding. I'm going to a Christian school. I'm gonna kill you. Wait, what? No, <laughs> and then especially after because our hometown, I would say people worry. There's a bunch of worriers who worry. Like Anxiety you were saying, rampant yeah. you go there, you go to Chicago, they're like, don't get killed, don't get stabbed, don't, and it's just like if that was one of your first experiences, I can only imagine like what your brain is doing. Like, see, maybe I shouldn't be in here, but I'm proud of you yeah. for for like you've been there how many years now at this point? Seven. Seven. And it's just like I'm sure you had numerous encounters or you just know how to move, you just know how to move in the, in the city now, but I'm, I'm proud of you for sticking to it. Cause a lot of people I would say um, in our situations, when hard times or rough things happen, we go back, we go back home. We, we go yeah. back yeah. to, to what's comfortable or, yep. you know, we, we just run away and, you know, Tony and I are really big into mental health and, um, I just wanted to say I'm proud of you for sticking through that, you know, and not just listening to the warriors and anxious people from back home, but actually like dealing with these things because those that's a real life situation that a person that can live their whole life in our hometown would never actually have to go through. Oh, yep. yeah. And, and guys, oh, yeah. like, I actually want to have like, there was a second welcome to Chicago moment Ooh, for let's me. Hear it. Well, let's go. And the second welcome to Chicago moment was May 2017. I moved into my my first apartment. Mm -hmm. And there was this program at school called Urban Cohort. And I mean, at the time I was doing comedy. I got on the college improv team and I was, I was making, I was making the school laugh and that was really fun. Um, and I still do comedy. Um, but like I have a show next week. It's pretty exciting. We're opening for a pretty big team. Uh -oh. Um, yeah, we're, we're opening for devil's daughter next week on Wednesday night and devil's daughter is like my dream like that like devil's daughter is big time like they've been recognized by the chicago tribune and like they're really good team and That's we're awesome. opening for that. so i'm stoked that like i've made it to this point because it's been a while i've, I've worked mm -hmm. pretty hard on my comedic but like that's that's not what that's just like a fun thing um but like uh i was doing comedy at school not really focusing on my studies i was but like comedy was like the priority i wanted to get really good at comedy i really wanted to enjoy that but also there was this tugging on my heart to check out urban cohort there was this like it was just this weight on me that's like go learn more about urban cohort see what see what's what this is about and so i went to the meeting and there were only a few slots open you had to interview, you had to go through a, a mental health check. Like you had to sit down with a psychiatrist to see if you, you could like handle it. Because the mission of urban cohort was to be a neighbor. That's it. You're not going there to fix the community. You're not going there mm -hmm. to save people. You're not going there. It, it, like the reason why urban cohort existed was to be a neighbor and to learn from the community. Mm. So to love your neighbor and then let your neighbor teach you about how different cultures work. So we are all meant to live in communities that weren't white. Okay. Moody's a really white school. I'd say it's more than half white. The rest is probably like, I'd say like 30, 40% Asian. And then the last is black. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Very conservative, very conservative. Okay, so I make it into urban cohort and then I move, I, I, I select to live in East Garfield Park. And East Garfield Park is the number two most dangerous neighborhood in Chicago. It's the West Side, baby. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I move into 3143 West Monroe Street. Fourth day living there, sitting on my porch. And I'm experiencing the block 
Like I'm, I'm experiencing the block. Miss Robinson is out. There's people grilling. Jimmy G is fixing his truck. There's kids playing hopscotch. There's other kids riding their bikes. Like there's guys four houses down at the trap that they were all just like hanging out. And then I'm sitting on my porch with my roommate, Austin, Austin Stone. I call him Stoney Maloney. And um, Stone and I are sitting on the, on the porch and we're talking to Miss Robinson. And Miss Robinson, she's like the big mama of the block. And like yeah, everyone looks yeah. up to her and like she, we can count on Miss Robinson always. And she always makes a plate for you at the barbecue, even if you're not there. Yeah. And so that was like my first impression of the hood. But then in all that luster and all of that excitement happening, pop, 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 four shots. Wow. 50 yards in front of me, I saw a guy get blown away. Wow. And I'm like, I, I, I like I saw this guy get like done and the guy that did it is running towards us Sheesh. oh dang and there's a blacked out Cadillac parked directly in front of my house and I, I realize he's beelining toward the Cadillac and one of the doors is open the passenger door is open I'm like that's the getaway car dude jumps in the Cadillac and the getaway driver pins it and they screech out of Monroe Street Hard left on Kedzie and book it south. Wow. And that guy, his body is laying over there in the grass, bleeding. And I'm like, and like in that split second, I hit my, I hit the porch. I hit the deck. And then I look up because I'm like, okay, I need to get in the house. I need to get into safety. I don't know. If, like, I don't know what's happening. And then when I look up to grab for my doorknob, the entire blog was lifeless. Everybody's oh. Wow. Everybody. It's like the best way to put it. It's like, it's like when you see, something on national geographic with the coral reef mm. you see all this life all these fish and every and then there's a big shark and all the fish disappear that's what it was like wow those shots rang out and everyone disappeared and i was the only one left it was me wow. and that guy's body and i'm like like that was that was a welcome to chicago moment for me because i was like wait a minute if these people reacted that quickly and also this has happened like like right here right now yeah it, it really it made me think like okay what is really going on in the hood mm. how is it like what is really happening here and like chambersburg people the, like the classic white guy answer is like, I just moved in four days ago. I signed this lease. I'm out. I'm going to find a subletter. See ya. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that. I've heard that a thousand times. But the yeah. thing is, I had this peace in my heart and I knew like, this is where the Lord wants me right now for a reason. Yeah. So rather than listening to the knee jerk reaction of fear, making a fear based decision, I wanted to take a second to remember my mission, which is to love my neighbor and learn from the neighborhood. And so I stayed put. Wow. 30 yeah. minutes later, 30 minutes later, somebody overdosed on the corner, face down on the, on the concrete. Wow. And that was my fourth day living in that neighborhood. And I'm like, okay, like, they're, like this place, what is, what is this? What is this? Yeah, and so yeah. um that was big time welcome to chicago but as i went 
as I lived my first summer in the West Side, I really saw the beauty in Black culture and in the Black community mm. that I had never experienced before. Yeah, I never experienced like block parties. I never experienced barbecues like Miss Robinson. I never experienced being able to like just sit on my porch. Like, like front porch, it is a front porch culture. And I'm like, man, all all I know is like, you can't come to my house unless you're invited. Mm. But like in, in the hood, in black culture, it's like, everybody yeah everybody know everybody everybody knows everybody everybody's out and even if you're a kleptomaniac you can still borrow my weed whacker because i love you <laughs> like, yeah. like like yeah I, and i've seen that and and they're like yo dion you steal my weed whacker i'm gonna bust your head in and he's like okay, <laughs> okay i get it i get yeah. it like like yeah but like that was like i i saw the ugliness of the hood yeah but then i saw the beauty of the hood and i fell in love with it yeah so so cool i like as i hear you talking about being immersed in uh this culture in this hood like i wonder what was it like for you to to wrestle with your whiteness Let me tell you, my guy. So I'm not going to say reverse racism because I think that is bullshit. I'm sorry. Sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) But it is. It is. But like what I experienced was very interesting because when you're in a neighborhood that is stricken with poverty and they see somebody that looks like me, somebody that looks like me is synonymous with wealth. Mm. Somebody that looks like me is synonymous with, I have to respect this guy or he's going to call the cops and I'm going to get killed Mm. or in jail. And so people, I noticed how people would be on for me. They would turn themselves on. Mm. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, like, don't worry. I like, I'm starting to learn hood politics. I'm starting to understand. But like, at the beginning, it was difficult when people saw me at first, they're like, oh, great. This guy's a gentrifier. Mm. Mm. Okay, like daddy wow. probably bought that house for cheap and he let his son move in. Wow. And so, like, at first, people on my block didn't really respect me. And they kind of like they just didn't give me the time of day. And some people like I even had people like at the grocery store. Like I, I tried to remain as local as possible. And so I would try to shop local. I'll try to support local businesses so I could like really support like where I lived and countless times people were like, yo, you don't belong here. Yo, like you're in the wrong place. Yo, why are you here? Yo, like, do you know where you are? Like people yeah. would say, and, yep. and that was at first I was like, man, that kind of sucks. But I'm like, okay, so this is the state of the world though. And so what does it mean for me with my whiteness? What does it mean for me to show up in a way that I can I can love my neighbor well and that they can let their walls down? And like even more so, like it, like halfway through my time in East Garfield, like I got I got really sick with Lyme disease. And so there's another thing with whiteness here, man. It's like when I was really sick. And I was walking on my block and my block was the one with the trap house. Mm-hmm. Like when people saw me really sick, I was really skinny. I looked like a heroin addict. I looked like a, uh, they would, they would call me a clucker. Cause I looked like a cluckhead. I looked like I did crack. 
because I was so thin and so, so frail and sick. And so like when I was at my sickest, it was often I was offered, I was offered drugs. It was often I was, I was offered that. And also like there, there were uh, on on a block, a block um, north of us, there was prostitutes and anytime we'd walk by i like they would double down with us they would double wow. down because they were like we can get more money out of these guys because they're white wow and and That's so crazy. yeah so instead of doing that like instead of obviously getting down with the with the ladies um we we did barbecues and we invited like we invited the block to our front porch for burgers and hot dogs and there was one time the prostitutes were like what y'all up to and we're like oh actually come to the barbecue <laughs> we'd be glad to have you and uh, so it was just like a really cool way to connect with them get to know them on like a real level as like real yeah. people yeah i did want to touch on that so you mentioned about uh, lyme disease and uh, especially where we're from you hear about it a lot Oh, yeah. um, because we have ticks and and high grass and weeds all the time yeah. um and if i'm if i'm not mistaken you can get bit at like you know younger and it doesn't hit you till later is that correct with Lyme that's disease? exactly what happened to me yeah so yeah i was gonna i was wondering about that yeah so i got bit three times and the last time i got bit was junior year of high school mm-hmm. and this didn't come about until junior year of college it was the summer after junior year of college i started having symptoms Mm -hmm. and i was like what's going on like i started having headaches started having hallucinations and nightmares and then i started i started dealing with like like muscular issues and my neck was really stiff and um I was running out of breath, like so quick. Like I would go up the stairs, I'd run out of breath. I'd put my cup in the cupboard and like just lifting my arm above my head, I'd, I'd lose my breath. Mm. Um, just like simple little tasks, it took the life out of me. And I had to take a nap for like four hours. Mm. Um, so yeah, like I think the reason why it reared its head like that is because of the stress. Mm the stress that I was under because it was my first apartment. It was my first time having bills. Like, like I've had bills, but like this, like this is like real life now. Like I have rent, I have electric, I have Wi-Fi, I have like all these bills now, but I'm also a student, but I also have a job, but I'm also in a relationship. That's also a little stressful because we were young and honestly didn't know better, you know? And so we did what we could in that relationship, but also like we just didn't really know how we were wired quite yet. And that made it hard. Mm-hmm. That yeah. made it hard. And, and so that was just all, all the stress was layering on. And when you're stressed, cortisol is the stress hormone. It's the fight or flight hormone. And if there's a lot of cortisol in your body, it's going to make you sick. And so with Lyme being dormant inside of my body all those years and then having all that cortisol in that, in that period, in that summer of 2017, that's when I started to notice my decline. Mm. And then it wasn't until like Thanksgiving of 2017, it was like, dude, what is going on with me? Like something is wrong here. It's like Thanksgiving all day I was asleep. Wow. And I was like, I don't know what's going on. And so, yeah, um, it was, it was interesting to battle, like just everything that happened. It was like that point in time in my life in East Garfield was just so saturated with so much learning and so much experiencing and like so much just from, from learning from my community, from learning like emotional awareness. That was the year I learned emotional awareness. Yeah. Which is huge huge um learning like what it means to take care of my my body that's frail and dying um 
it was just so much mm. and um yeah and, and that year it was the end of 2018 just before i graduated college still in east garfield i went to a thing called the crucible project um it was a crucible weekend it was a men's retreat and i got to really address some of the deepest wounds in my life no. that weekend and that is yeah. like that weekend is designed intentionally for men to address their deepest wounds in a healthy way love that wow yeah <laughs> and and i was i was 21 i was 21 when i experienced that and to be honest i think that's the best time because yeah it's either like you do it then or you wait till you're 40 with kids Dude. and then failing marriage yeah. so yeah yeah and that was the case for all the other guys on that weekend i was the youngest one there yeah. everyone was in their 40s and 50s yeah. and they're like my wife hates me i cheated on her twice yep i yep. wrecked my business i lost everything i am addicted to drugs i'm addicted to porn i'm addicted to all these things and it's all because my dad beat me when i was a kid and made me feel stupid yeah. And so I found my solace in women. I found my solace in porn. I found my solace in the and it's like, whoa. So like, wait a minute. We're just all animals self-medicating, just trying to self-preserve and feel better. And, and it's like, wait a minute. Like, well, how can we yeah. address this in a way that is. Yeah not only healing in our hearts like i don't know if you guys listen to kendrick lamar but his dude have you heard mr morale and the big steppers i haven't heard his, that yet his no. most recent guys his most recent <laughs> album his most recent album is touching on generational curses and like healing and therapy and wow you heard it here first bro Kung Fu Kenny, <laughs> like K Dot, he's brilliant. Well, and, and like a, you know, um, a former uh, student of mine that I used to work with, um, always you know said to me once that adulthood is like unpacking a suitcase that's already been packed for you in it, and like yeah. on that retreat, like you being 21 were able to start unpacking that suitcase that a lot of men don't unpack they just grit through it they don't want to be weak and unpack that right exactly and And finish with with more and more yeah yeah very the toxic masculinity thing where it's like i mean here's the thing if you're on the football field and you get hurt, the coaches are so pissed at you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they make you feel small and they make you feel stupid. They make you feel insignificant. And then there's like, I mean, not just football, but also whatever sport, you know, put, fill in, fill in the blanks, dude. They make you, it's like, no, nah, man, you're worthless if you can't score touchdowns. You're worthless mm. if, you, if you can't make a sack. Yeah. And so that was what I grew up knowing is like, yeah. oh, I'm worthless if I can't bring a result. I'm worthless if I can't win dirt bike races or yeah. if I can't hit home runs or if I can't pitch three strikes or if I can't whatever that is. Yeah. And so just being conditioned to that, finally coming to that weekend, I really learned it's like, wait a minute. My problem is, like, my deepest wound is I believe I'm not enough. Yep. I believe I'm not enough. So that's why I try to do everything so perfectly. That's why I struggle with perfection. Yep. yep. Whoa. So- that's why I struggle with overeating. That's why I struggle because I'm trying to, like, comfort myself from disappointment. Mm. yeah yeah so, so, so along, those, along those lines what does it mean to be authentically you 
what that means is I'm going to say something and it might sound arrogant. Let but it rip. But bear with me. I'm a badass. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. And I'm not saying that just for me, but like a lot of us are badasses. You know, like I'm resilient. Yeah. And I know I have my faults and my brokenness and my shortcomings and my unhealthy coping mechanisms. But like, I know that like with what I have been through, what it means to be authentically me is remembering that like, what I bring to the table mm. is exciting. Yes. It's valuable and it's relevant. I like so that. Good. I like and that. What, That's so good. I was listening to a podcast today talking about, um, especially you mentioned about, you know, struggling with insecurity. I think all of us, all men do, you know, and, Ooh, and, we, and we just, 100%. we just mask it differently. Right. Yep. Yep. And, yep. One thing this guy said, you know, what he said, it's so it's so dumb and it's so simple. But what I've been doing is like looking at myself in the eyes, in the mirror and saying, hey, you're doing a good job. And we get so caught up in like flexing, making sure we look right, make sure we got our hair right. Yep, and, yep. you know, making sure the drip is, is straight. But it's like, how often do we look at ourselves in the mirror and be like, you're doing a good job. And just hearing you say this, it's like. That's exactly what it's like, even if you don't believe what you're saying all the time, it's the fact that you're you're saying it, you're saying it to us, like you're saying it out loud. Like, yeah. no, like I am, I am worth it. I am, you know, significant in what I do, what I, like you said, what I bring to the table, like I think about, I just think about all the stuff you've overcome, Cole, since I've known you. Oh, yeah. And it's like, yeah, you are ridiculously resilient and you you do it with a smile and i know there's some dark days there's some days where maybe you're crying or it's just not the best but like you've overcome a lot of crap and you do it with a smile so yeah. i just want to encourage you with that bro that like you are doing a good job and like keep going like yeah. you have so, so much to offer i really appreciate you saying that and I'm going to bring Kendrick back into the mix if I, back. if I am allowed. Um, so from his album to Pimp a Butterfly, the song titled I, the letter I. Oh, dude, that's my favorite song. That's my favorite song. And it's directly in line with what I just said because... Like, there is a, a bar that he spits about midway through. And he says, the sky could fall down. The wind could cry now. Look at me, motherfucker. I smile. I love myself. And so just knowing, like, what I've been through with a body that has failed me and that has returned yeah. with growing up in a place where I was kind of the I was like that that guy's like he's a little bit of the the ugly duckling of the Elbel family. Like all the Elbells are built like Greek gods and he's like the little chubby boy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um coming from that and then also experiencing what I've experienced here in the city and just like with the relationship stuff I've been through and also with going through what I went through with my last job. Um, like, I, I, I don't know if you guys know this, but I, I got let, let go from my last job mm. and like, that was really hard for me. It was really hard for me, but this lyric from Kendrick Lamar from to pimp a butterfly, the song, I, 
the sky could fall down, the wind could cry, and I look at me, I smile. Like, everything could be crashing down around me. Everything could be going wrong. But, like, Conroy hearing you say, like, but Cole does it with a smile. Um, That, I just really appreciated you saying that because that is what I want to be seen. Yeah. You know, like, um, and this is not me saying, let me run this back. This is not me saying, yeah, let's avoid all things hard. Yeah, yeah. Let's not lament. Let's distract ourselves with something fun. Let's, you know, like, this is not me saying, like, yeah, avoid all things sad. No, this is me saying, like, even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you fear no evil. Yeah. You're going to fear that. You're not going to fear that evil with a smile. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because, and that's, that smile is what loves your neighbor. You know, that, that smile is what shows your person that you love them. That mm. smile is what shows your boss that you're showing up. Yeah. That smile shows that homeless guy that hey i'm seen and you're acknowledging me wow mm. you know like so yeah, yeah conroy I, I really appreciate you saying that because like that lyric is like my favorite lyric of all time yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's awesome that's good that's good we did want to um transition to our next segment which is a segment tony of all segments all segments yep it is rapid fire so what we're gonna do we're gonna ask you three questions just three what's your first initial thought which knowing you cole it's going to be your first initial thought um so (laughs) oh this gonna be great i know this is gonna be awesome so we got three questions first thing to come to mind okay all right who's your favorite comedian favorite comedian chris farley all right Okay, this is a deep one. Would you rather have the only beverage you can drink be water or the only food you can eat be salad? Water. So you can eat whatever you want. Hey, what I want. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, When was the last time you cried? Two days ago. Why? I hate my job. I hate my current job so much. Mm. I despise mm. it. I feel like a failure. Mm. And and I'm at this point where it's like, at my last job, I got my legs cut from under me. And I'm like, so sad because the job that I'm at right now, it's doing what I need. It's paying the bills. But I don't feel fulfillment like I used to. And I kind of feel lost Mm. and I'm trying to figure out like with my vision and my goals, how can I achieve that? How can I achieve that? Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm kind of in this, this space of like, man, where am I going? Like, I know what I want with my life. I know how I want to honor God with my life. I know how I want to build my life, but I cried because I don't know how the heck I'm going to get there yet. Yeah. It's been, it's been sad. It's been, it's been sad. Two days ago, I, I cried for that. First of all, thank you for sharing that being vulnerable. Thank Um, you. Yeah, absolutely. Cause I, I think, a lot of people can relate. And that's what I love about you. Cole. Since I've known you, always been real. Like you've always been a straight shooter. Yeah. And I love that the people get to hear your story and hear like real life situations, real life things that you're going through. And y'all like with a smile on his face, y'all think I'm yes. joking, but like he, he, every since I've known him, he always has had a smile despite, you know, the circumstances, like you said, it's not about uh, avoiding them. It's about, going through them and in spite yeah. of them 
doing it with a smile. So, yeah. Cole, thank you again for hopping on yeah, Authentically Us, the you, podcast. Bro. Man, this was beyond amazing story after story. As you all can see, he's a storyteller. So, oh yeah, this this was amazing. Again, thank you again. Love yeah, to be here. Thanks, I really bro. appreciate you both. Thanks for thanks for getting me getting me on the mic. Absolutely. Oh yeah, man. Well, y'all, hey, until next time, be authentic in everything that you do. Peace. Peace. The home team. We just do it for the home team. And I'm so glad y'all got to hear another perspective of what Chambersburg is like. Uh, Because he hit it on the money. That description was flawless. (laughs) Um, I really enjoyed um, Cole, you know, especially like this, the realness. He he's always been one thing about Cole. He's been consistent um, since I've known him since he was small. And I appreciate his realness and his um, willingness to humble himself multiple times, especially being in Chicago and just wanting to um, learn, you know, and not let his whiteness get in the way of that yeah yeah i mean that that just gives so much hope to you know us and you know other people of color that there are white people that want to learn and grow and be uh culturally aware um yeah i just i appreciate cole seeing the growth of like the goofball we knew in high school (laughs) to now see like this man that like loves the Lord and loves his city enough to stay when he could have easily said no I'm out and he he would have had that privilege to do so right and it would have been welcomed from everybody you know where we where we grew up from so yeah i'm yeah i i'm so proud of him um but you guys know what time it is and as much as i'm proud of cole i'm proud of myself for being just a better friend than tony to be honest yeah yeah come on come on we have our question we have our friendship quiz um, quiz of all quizzes. The quiz of all quizzes to show who's <laughs> a better friend. And Tony, I have a question for you. Obviously, my question for you is: What? Oh, you probably won't know this one. Should I go easy or should I go hard? What do you want? Just go. That's what I want. I want you to go. What was my high school? Remember, I played high school basketball for one to two years. What was my high school basketball number? Oh, dang. I clearly don't know this. Um, I don't know why, but I'm going to go with 13. 13. No, Tony. It was 32. Dang. It was 32. Dang. I, I asked you if you wanted me to go hard. That's fair. How long did you play basketball for? I only played freshman year. I had knee surgery, so I couldn't play. Sophomore year, I played one year. And then after that, I just did church league. Yeah, so... I didn't like you back then, so <laughs> I, I didn't care. So technically, I wasn't a good friend back then. So Makes here sense. we go. That's why you don't know the answer. <laughs> Confirmed. Hey, 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 guys! Thank you again for another episode. Thank you for listening. Um, tune in again. We got fire after fire after fire after fire. So keep turning, tuning in. Um, until next time, hey, be authentic in everything that you do. And I want to encourage you guys to have an authentic conversation with somebody you might not know that well this week. Yeah, That's yeah. my encouragement for them. Yeah, and and like even follow us on uh, 
socials and let us know what y'all want to hear. Yes. Engage. Let's have some engagement. Yes. Hey, until next time, be authentic in everything that you do. Peace. Peace.